today on CityCast Madison. Why was the mayor of Madison just in Dubai? Well, she was invited to attend the 2023 United Nations Climate Change Conference, commonly referred to as COP28. The summit specifically identified city leaders as key players on the global stage to fight climate change. That cities are at the forefront of implementing green initiatives. So we caught up with Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway to hear about her experience and get an update on our city's climate commitments. It's Monday, January 8th. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. Mayor, hello. Hello, Bianca. So you attended the UN Climate Summit in Dubai last month. I did. The biggest climate conference ever held. Why did you go? Literally, it was huge. I think there was like 80,000 people there. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, it was it was wild. Um, I went because um, I'm the outgoing chair of climate mayors. And it was important for us to have a presence um, at COP uh, and in particular important for cities to have a presence in the conversation about what's happening around climate on the international stage. It's the first one that I've been to, but um, in talking with other folks who have been to many of them, this is the first time that mayors were present in what's called the blue zone, which is the like you have to get credentials to be in the blue zone. Um, it's the first time that there's a significant presence of mayors and what they describe as subnational leaders were there. And it's the first time that um, sort of subnational actions were really a big part of the conversation. And um, that's important because, you know, whatever you think of the goals that different countries set around reducing climate pollution, there's no way that they meet them without cities taking action. And, right. and cities have been such an important part of climate progress here in the U.S. And so we felt like it was really important for us to sort of be on that international stage and be part of the conversation and encourage countries all over the world to invest in city leadership and in city action as a part of meeting their goals. Yeah. And, you know, we're the feet on the ground here. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And was that a big expense uh, for you and a group of staff, right? So uh, there was myself and, and two staff that went. One of them um, went on her own as a professional development opportunity. Um, but the cost for myself and the other staff person were paid by C40, which is the International Climate Mayors Group. Um, again, as they wanted a lot of mayors there. And so they funded a number of us to attend. That's huge. And I mean, I, I looked at that group, it was like 750 mayors across the U.S. Yeah. So Climate Mayors is, is got a significant membership. Um, we've got a lot of mayors. Um, and we started actually, um, it, it started uh, as a relatively small group of big city mayors. But then when uh, the former president um, declared that the U.S. was not going to participate in the Paris Accords and were, was not um, committed to meeting those goals. Um, mayors and cities all across the country said, no, 
Yeah, we we are committed to doing that and we are going to take the actions that we need to take to meet those goals. Um, and we saw a huge increase in membership of climate mayors. You think about places like, you know, New York or, or San Francisco maybe taking climate action, but there actually is a significant presence in the Midwest and there's a lot that Midwestern cities are doing. And so we've, we've had really great interactions with the federal government under the Biden administration and. Um, uh, lots of opportunities to impress upon them the importance of cities and climate action and to have really good substantive conversations. Um, in fact, while I was at COP, um, had some really good conversations with folks from the Biden administration. It's a little ironic to to go to Dubai to talk to folks who work in D.C., but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, you take the opportunities that you're given. <laughs> um, and then we do a lot of great exchange of of knowledge and information between cities, learning from each other, and um, and you know taking our best ideas and and adopting them in in other places. You mentioned the Paris Accord. These big international climate summits. They forge global agreements. And you're talking about, you know, cities taking a bigger stage there this year at the conference. Do you feel like it was successful that it made an impact to have that city presence? Yeah, absolutely. I, I really do in a number of ways. I mean, first, anytime you get a bunch of mayors together, wherever they're from, they're going to start talking and sharing ideas and um, exchanging you know, like here's here's what I did to to meet that challenge, or here's this thing that I'm doing to reduce emissions, or, and and we we learn from each other and we take those things home. Um, so I, you know, I took reams of notes, right? So I, I get all sorts of ideas. Um, yeah. What are some of your biggest learnings? I was on a panel with the mayor Yvonne Aki Sawyer is her name, the mayor of Freetown, Sierra Leone, and she's got this. Uh, she calls it Tree Town Free Town program. So she's got this program around planting trees and uh, getting folks to take care of them. And so that, for me, was an inspiration. Obviously, we're very committed to our urban tree canopy here in Madison and um, are starting to think about rolling out programs to encourage folks to plant trees on their own property, in addition to helping us um, you know, maintain and take care of trees that are on city property. So that was a great conversation to hear about the work she's doing. Uh, I also got to meet the mayor of Bogota, Colombia. And Bogota is probably the city that is is like held up as the best example of bus rapid transit. Um, and it's, you know, when I first learned about bus rapid transit as a thing, I learned about the Bogota system and so she's not the mayor that instituted it, but she's been doing great things on transit and transportation since. And so it was it was great to talk with her um, and hear stories about what's going on in Bogota. So just a couple of examples. But but that's only one reason that I think it was important to have a bunch of mayors there. Um, it's also important for us to be able to talk to those national leaders that were present. And again, I had the chance to do that, talk to the head of um, USAID, um, talk to some folks from the Department of Transportation, talk to Ali Zaidi. He's the guy on climate in the White House. And not just me, right? But we had sort of closed door roundtables with mayors from around the country uh, and those folks. And so they got to tell us what they're working on and they got to hear what we're working on and what we need from the federal government. Um, and then the third reason that I think it was really important is that is to make that point that the U.S. has significantly invested in climate action in cities, and we need other governments to do the same around the world. And uh, in fact, they wrote an accord. It's called CHAMPS. 
And um, it was signed by, I think, 67 countries. And it's basically those national governments are committing to include subnational actors in their conversations about COP and about the climate commitments that they're making and to work with those subnational actors to reduce climate pollution. And so that, to me, is probably the most substantive accomplishment of having a bunch of subnational folks present in this conversation is that you got the national governments, including the U.S., um, to say, yes, we see you, we recognize you're important, and you're going to be part of this conversation. Yeah, it sounds like activating the networks, really, and leveraging, yeah, expertise. It's exciting to hear expertise here in the U.S., but also from around the world, and they're helping us. We're helping them. That's that's not only beautiful, but effective. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I'm really excited. Some of the, you know, the things that you learned um, from the mayor in Sierra Leone and Colombia, uh, because I want to talk about the state of the union for Madison's climate efforts. You know, you've set a goal of having net zero carbon emissions for all city operations by 2030. Um, which is only six years away. And one of the major steps towards that is the bus rapid transit system. Uh, We're all seeing the stations being built for the new system, and there's a lot of energy around it. What's the latest there? Yeah, so it it is, from a climate perspective, it's actually possibly the biggest thing that we're doing, Um, both because the buses will be all electric, so they're, they're not going to be using diesel, um, which obviously is, is great for climate, but also just great for air quality overall. Um, and because, you know, the more uh, robust of a transit system we have, the more likelihood we get people to drive less, um, which, again, is another source of, of significant emissions. And just, you know, for background, I know you probably know this, but um, in Madison, as in most cities, the two biggest sources of climate pollution are our transportation. So that's our cars um, and then also freight um, and our built environment. And so that's mostly our heating, but increasingly our air conditioning in the summer as well. And so it's like, what do you heat with? You heat with nat- natural gas, probably. Um or maybe you heat with electricity and that's coal right now. And so th- that, those are the two big sources of climate pollution. And so anything we can do to change people's transportation habits, to take transit, which is um, a more efficient, um, to bike, to walk, uh, to carpool, um, or even just trip chain. So you're taking less trips, right, um, makes a difference. Yeah. And so, th- so yes, the bus rapid transit's a significant contribution to that, and it's proceeding apace. I'm we're expecting to take delivery on on buses soon, and as you said, we've got the stations coming out of the ground. I think people have been a little confused about the progress on the stations because on any given station, it looks like there's a flurry of activity, and then it sits for a long time. Um, and this <laughs> is because it's actually I didn't I didn't know this going in. It is actually more efficient to have just, for example, the folks who do the site work come through and do the site work on all of the stations. And then the folks who do the concrete work come through and do the concrete work on all of the stations. Right. And then the fo- you see what I'm saying? So so at any given yeah. station, it might not look like there's much going on. But actually what's happening is that the crew that that does that work, the next step is working their way through every station 
Um, And then the next crew works their way through every station. So it's they're doing it the most efficient way, the cheapest way. Um, uh, (laughs) But it does it does look a little odd, I think. But anyway, lots of progress being made there. um, And I can't wait for the system to open. You know, you've been talking about how you were meeting with Biden officials. President Biden committed $400 billion through his Inflation Reduction Act to meet climate goals. Um, And a lot of that money is coming to the cities to be implemented on on the ground, right? And efforts. So we actually got uh, infrastructure law money um, for the both for the the overall uh, BRT system and for uh, the buses to make sure they were going to be electric. And then we've gotten additional funding to put solar on the Metro bus barns um, and to buy additional electric vehicles, um, buses. Um, so we, the Biden administration is very much invested in this. I mean, in the five years that I've been in office, we've gotten over $500 million of federal funding. Um and that's through being very aggressive and, you know, going after all of these sources of money. On the um, Inflation Reduction Act in particular, we haven't received this yet, but we estimate that looking at our capital budget and the projects that we're doing, we should be eligible for about $13 million worth of credits. And these are credits for solar, for geothermal, for energy efficiency, um, and most importantly, these are credits that individual households are eligible for too. Mm. So it's not just local governments, it's households, it's nonprofits, it's businesses. So if you like if you ever wanted to do solar on your house, like now is the time because there is money for you. There is money for you. That's <laughs> right. And you know, and one yes. thing that folks don't know is like nonprofits that that previously weren't eligible because these were tax credits. And if you don't have tax liability, can't get a tax credit, right? But they changed the rules. So in fact, if you don't have tax liability, you can get these credits. Um, And so we're just really encouraging folks to take advantage of this opportunity to explore heat pumps, to look at electrification, to look at energy efficiency, to look at solar, um, to buy an EV, right? Like now's the time. Yes. Yes. Well, you set me right up. People are hungry to get involved and, and help save us from the ensuing climate crisis we're facing. Um, and one of the ways is through electric vehicles, right? Yeah. That's a big part of the plan. Um, and there's some recent news. State lawmakers are you know, in the midst of considering changing how charging works. One part of the debate is whether cities are allowed to provide charging stations for the public versus the utilities and other private entities. Would this affect Madison? Yeah, I mean, there's a, a fair amount of uncertainty around this. We currently have um, chargers for our fleet. So we just um, not that long ago took delivery on our 100th electric vehicle in our fleet, hey. which is very exciting um, and a, a huge part of our efforts to to meet our 2030 goal. And so we have um, are installing more charging specifically for our vehicles, but we'd like to make those chargers available at at a minimum for our employees that have electric vehicles, right? Because they're in the same parking lots. But we'd also like to be able to, at least hypothetically, make those chargers available to the public um, in some... I mean, you can imagine like having chargers at libraries, 
right? And, yeah. you know, that being available to the public as a as a service. Um, mm-hmm. And we're partnering right now with MG&E to do pole mounted charging out in neighborhoods. Okay. Like it wouldn't have to be in a parking garage or a parking lot. It'd actually literally be a space on the street with a charger right there. And um, so we're that we're rolling that out. Um, I think we've got a couple of them installed and and we're looking to install a few more. I mean, listen, Bianca, I'm always going to say that the state should stay out of our business and let cities do what we do. Right. Like that's just my sort of principle to begin with. And I do think that if local governments want to be a charging provider, we should be able to. Um, But whatever the legislature decides, we are going to do the best that we can to build out a charging network here in Madison so that it becomes easy for folks to think about owning an electric vehicle and that there's no anxiety around, am I going to be able to charge it? while I'm at work or while I'm shopping or whatever, like that people are going to be able to do this, or I can't buy an electric vehicle because I don't have a dedicated parking space. Well, let's find a way that you actually could charge it, you know, either when you're at home or when you're at work or whatever. And so we're going to keep working on that no matter what. But of course, I'd love to have the ability to, to facilitate that more directly. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you how you supported, you felt by your counterparts in the States to meet our city goals. Um, it sounds like there's a lot of will. And if there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> well, I have to say that the um, Governor Evers and his administration have been great um, and been and very supportive. Um, the legislature, not so much. I mean, the legislature seems sort of hellbent on restricting the ability of cities to do anything good, particularly with respect to climate. But, you know, hope springs eternal and uh, new maps are on the horizon. So we'll see what happens. And, and again, yeah. this is a thing that I talk about with the climate mayors across um, the country, and frankly, um, that we heard from some of our international friends as well, is that that you know levels of government above us often get in the way, and we just have to continue to do whatever we can. Um, yeah, might not be every avenue open to us, but um, the climate crisis is is too urgent for us to to sort of wring our hands and say, "Oh, we can't do that." We just have to find a way. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you mentioned, you know, is the city's in charge of the built environment in a lot of ways. Um, and you mentioned earlier, one of your big takeaways is from a mayor in Sierra Leone, and mm. she's got this cool tree <laughs> tree program. Um, and everyone in Madison, pretty much everyone loves our trees. Everybody loves and- trees, including me. <laughs> <laughs> and including you. And trees can be heroes for the climate. Um Many folks know that, and I feel like it's it sometimes gets overlooked. They cool the city, they remove carbon from the atmosphere. And I wanted to ask, does Madison have enough trees? No. No, of course. No, I mean, I don't think any... Anyway, there are ecosystems where trees are not appropriate, right? But, um, but no, Madison uh, doesn't have enough trees, and um, we actually are aggressively planting new trees. I don't have the exact number, but I think... Um, last year, we planted over 3,000 trees just as a part of our regular program. And that's primarily street trees, but um, it's also hundreds in our parks uh, that get planted. And um, in other uh, places where we're doing restoration, we might plant in oak trees, for example. Uh, we try and be really mindful 
um, about the context of the tree. Obviously, we want every tree we plant to be successful. And so you want to put the right tree in the right place. And so in some cases, that's going to mean that we're really focusing on native species. And in other cases, it's going to mean that we're focusing on like on a particular block, making sure that we have a mix of different species. So we don't right. have the situation like Emerald Ash Borer came in and, you know, we had a whole swaths of streets that only had ash trees. Um, yeah. So it we want to really- city planning is important. It is. Well, yeah, I mean, it, like everything else, you know, urban forestry is an art. And we have a great new uh, forester here in Madison um, who's doing great work. And mm -hmm. so in addition to our planting, um, we actually did just get a, a great from the DNR um, to start to, to do some of growing our own trees. Okay. And we are pursuing additional funding to beef up our forestry workforce and bring young people into the profession and train right. them up. And two sort of things on the horizon there. One, we're working on how we could get a program to encourage people to plant trees on their own property. And then working on ways in which we can better protect trees in the private development process. So um, if somebody is, is coming in and looking at a site, how can we support them in, at a minimum, not hurting our street trees, but potentially also looking at protection on private property or encouraging consideration of trees in private development? <sighs> Well, there are so many components to building a healthy climate and, uh, you know, it, it's very heartening to hear how much we are leading on a lot of fronts here. There are obviously extremely significant challenges and a lot of existential dread and hoping to meet our goals. Do you think that we're on track to meet our goals by 2030? I think the city is, yeah. I mean, we're at about um, 75% renewable electricity use right now um, and our green power program where we train up folks that are um, non-traditional workers in the trades to install solar panels is going full force and putting solar panels on every roof they can find that's a municipal building. And so I think we're on track to, to meet that goal. I think our fleet is on track uh, to really uh, significantly reduce uh, climate pollution from, again, the vehicles that the city owns. Some of that will be through electrification. Some of that will be through biodiesel. And, you know, the city doesn't build a building anymore without it being LEED certified. And so we're trying to really reduce our footprint in the built environment. What worries me is... It, that next goal, right? So the, the 2050 goal, which is the whole community, mm. um, because that's we have a lot less control over the built environment of the entire community. And in fact, we're preempted by the state on building codes. So we can't require a certain level of energy efficiency, just for example. So we're building buildings today, like buildings are being built in the city of Madison today that are not as energy efficient as they should be. And those buildings will be around for 50 years, right? So that's, that is what I worry about. And that is one of the things that we need the state to do is to improve our building codes and would love it if they would give us the ability to, to exceed the state building code and, and have stricter requirements. I don't really think that's going to happen, but 
a girl can dream. Um, so that's the one that I, I worry about. And, and it's, it's the one that the community can help with. Right. And so, you know, we talked about individual choices that folks make around transportation and, and the opportunity to take advantage of the Inflation Reduction Act credits uh, for your built environment. And um, we also have for uh, folks that rent, um, we have a program called Efficiency Navigator, which it does require the landlord to to participate, but city will come in and this is all grant funded and we will evaluate for energy efficiency um, and come in and do air sealing and insulation and appliance replacement and evaluate for solar and um, look at air, indoor air quality. And so um, this has been a great program uh, for naturally occurring affordable housing. So that's also an opportunity for folks. Got the Madison program, which can help you put solar on your roof if you want to do that. And everybody who's got a good solar window should definitely do that. We've got the food scrap collection program. I mean, composting is a great way to reduce your climate pollution footprint. And lots of things folks can do. Um, yeah. And and that's that's how we're going to reach the bigger goal of reducing our entire community's footprint. You gave us some great things that we can get involved with. And we're leaving on a moment of hope, which is exactly, you know, where we should be. Mayor, thank you so much for giving us the State of the Union on Madison's climate and updating us on your trip. Thank you, Bianca. It's a pleasure. That's Madison Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway. If you want to check out some of the green opportunities the mayor talked about, go visit our show notes for links. There are a ton of great resources to help you get started. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this episode with the person in your life most likely to convince you to get an electric car? Oh, you already have one? Okay, good on you. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Until then. <laughs>